Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Welcome to Glamier. Hi, this is Dr. Tabas Samir. I'm a cosmetic dermatologist, owner, and founder of Mir Skin Cosmetic in New York City and star of an Emmy Award-winning Bravo TV show. My podcast is all about great conversations with your favorite celebrities, media personalities, and well-known experts in the worlds of lifestyle, celebrity, relationships, and more. Through their stories, I hope to uplift, inspire, and educate. This is Glamier. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Glam Mirror. And today I have somebody who I have really admired from afar for a very long time. You have Stacey Griffith, who is one of the founding senior master instructors of SoulCycle. But also the author of this amazing book, Two Turns from Zero, which is pushing to higher fitness goals, converting them to life strengths. That's a thank mouthful. You for, yeah, thank you for getting it right, because it is a mouthful. Well, you know, the thing is, it's not a fitness book. It's a life book that helps you with your fitness. And mm-hmm. I think that that's what makes this truly unique. Yeah, thanks for recognizing that. Because, you know, when we were trying to figure out what shelf this book would live on, yeah. it kind of uh, fits on so many different shelves because it's motivational. Mm-hmm. It's uh, self-help. Mm-hmm. It is an addiction story. Right. It is a, a workout book. It has some nutritional components. It's like, like you said, it's like uh, it's a life salad type of thing. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, fits on many shelves. I fit on many shelves. Mm. You fit on many shelves. So I sometimes look at, you know, what you when I read your book, where you have come from, what you have achieved, and what you're doing now. You're not just doing one thing. You know, you're you fit on many shelves. So it would be <laughs> great to have a book that does that too. Yeah. I have to tell you, I got this book. The first thing I read after the forward and such, and after all the amazing um, people reviewing the back, like Deepak, <laughs> we got Brooke Shields, we got Bob Harper. But the first thing I read was, I'm lucky. Aww. And then after that, I expected it to say, because I'm a badass little cycle senior master. And then I realized it says, I had a rough childhood filled with loss and years of self-doubt. And I stopped and I smiled to myself because I mm. immediately knew in that moment I was going to love what I was about to read. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And I think that's a great way to start. Who? How did you think about that when starting? Well, I have a great co-writer mm-hmm. and we spent many hours together and you know, what would happen was we had an outline mm-hmm. and she would say, okay, so for this outline, let's discuss how you feel mm-hmm. and what you want the person to feel immediately. Mm-hmm. And my uh, my girlfriend, not my co-writer, but my girlfriend asked me in the very beginning about my uh, my dedication. And at the time- To writing the book. Yeah, my, my father was still alive and he didn't pass till after the book was published, so he didn't, never got to see it. But um, she was like, what do you think is the reason, like who formed you as a person, as an athlete? Like Mm -hmm. go way back in your heart to like who that first person was, whether it was your dad or your mom or a coach. And I think when I dedicated my book to Mr. Hunter, my my seventh and eighth grade PE coach, I felt like I am so lucky that I got that guy as my, my formative years as an athlete as my coach because Mm -hmm. high school or 
junior high school PE is not something nowadays that's like even great in schools. And I went to a public school, mm-hmm. so it was um, it was the I'm lucky thing. Is really came from I'm lucky because I I got to have this amazing coach as my as your mentor, my grassroots. Yeah, the one guy, who yeah. kind of was there when you were in your formidable years. Yeah. Well, I kind of looked at at as I've you know. I, when you go through your life, and your your theme in your book keeps coming back to everything that challenges you, you can look at it as something to be feel feel a victim of for the rest of your life, mm-hmm. or you can say, you know what, I was lucky because of that I became this. Right, and that came to me that first sentence. Yeah. So you kind of threw me for a loop because I thought, oh yeah, she's lucky because she's <laughs> Stacy, you know. But um, it was kind of an amazing first chapter. You get really personal about your life and your. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I loved is how you talked about you can sleep anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I read that and I'm like, I need to learn how to do this because I need to be dark room, cool, oh. I mask. And then I read your thing how you've been, um, you were put in so many situations as a kid. Right. That you could sleep anywhere. Yeah. I, I really think I should teach that actually. Yeah. But it's very hard. I would take that class. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> because a lot of people grow up, you know, in a comfortable Situation, or yeah. they, they, they have a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister and a beautiful house and a beautiful gate and a beautiful car. Like they, a lot of people grow up that way, and I just didn't. Um, but as far as the sleep thing, uh, that maybe that should be that my should next be book. how to sleep anywhere. I would read that for sure. But you get really into you know introspect. Like I think we learn a lot about your struggles, and I think that the purpose for me of reading that first chapter is no excuses. Yeah, no excuses. Like, look what I had to come through. Right, and the reason I wanted to get that personal in the beginning, and talk about all those things, is because I was a total schmuck for most of my life. I was very lazy. My bar for life was, you know, let me just get through six classes and get a suntan and go surfing and go hang out with my friends and drink and party. I just needed to make enough money to make rent, and if I couldn't make rent, then I'd have a yard sale. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like that bad. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to share that experience because a lot of people that I meet, like in an elevator coming up here, that are my students, is so weird. But yeah. they see me now as this super like dynamo. Yeah. Yeah. And like I show up every morning, and I'm happy, and I have a great family, and I have a beautiful relationship, and have dogs and houses and apartments and like life is so beautiful but I just wanted to reach that person that is struggling that doesn't have that because I also didn't have that Mm -hmm. I did not grow up with that right so that's why I wanted to be honest in the beginning because I wanted people to understand and you were and I think it kind of sets the stage for uh, people who have had the parents and the house and the picket fence and the ones that haven't can all relate to something that you're talking about a deep inner wanting of security and love I think anyone can relate to that because at some point in your life sadly you are going to get to that place where you need someone to help you yeah so um, I'm, I really appreciate your first chapter because um, I too am one of your students, um, <laughs> and but that's another story altogether. You teach a great class in Soul Cycle, mm. but I just was it was nice to be able to understand who you were, and I appreciate you being so honest with what you wrote because that couldn't have been easy. Mm, thank you. You know, I mean, I think after ten years of sobriety and being in a relationship that requires me to own rigorous truth which also in my relationship the first you'll read in the book the first six years I I hid this really dark Mm -hmm. secret from my girlfriend and after that point of having to be so honest I think you know you once you're honest about something yeah um it allows you to live your life 
a lot better. That's one of the things you talk about in your book um, is about the fact that it is sometimes hard for people to be honest in that yeah. moment. That they're, it's, and you say it's so much easier to tell the truth. Yeah. Um, why is it so hard to tell the truth? I, I mean, even like, hey, I'll be there in 10 minutes. It's really, you know, you're an hour away. Why is it easier for all of us to go to a lie? I mean, uh, well, that's because we live our lives based on other people's reactions, yeah. which is a really bad that's deep, uh, yeah. A really bad way to live your life. Um, yeah. uh, that is a Kabbalistic uh, a major thing in Kabbalah, which is practicing non-reaction, which is something that I, I've read a lot about. Um, but back to the honesty thing and the and the uh, and the getting clear with stuff before. I feel like uh, you know it was many failed attempts to get to that sobriety place. Yeah. So uh, I don't know if I mentioned that before. How many times I tried. I know more. that you tried a lot. I know that I don't know that I remember the number, but you definitely made it a point to tell us that you've tried. Yeah. 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 And you also said failure. Um, you said failure. You know, the failure is, I, it's not falling. It's, mm -hmm. for me, failure is giving up, you know? Yeah. Well, you give up and then you go back to your old habits. Mm -hmm. But I think this last time really stuck. Yeah. You know? And, and I love, I love my uh, sober life. Yeah. And I know that's also not easy for some people. Some people are like, oh my gosh, I could not imagine not having my one glass of wine every day. Yeah. You know, and the, those are what we call normies. Uh -huh. Normal people can, can function with uh, the control of alcohol. And mm -hmm. I just do not have that chip. Yeah. The one chip, one A leads to B leads to C. Yeah. Alcohol leads to booze, leads to cocaine. Like yeah. I just, ha it's a bad, bad trip of letters for me. So I just avoid them all. Well, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but there has been research recently that there is actually genes for people to be able to control. Like mm -hmm. there is a gene for that. I, they've discovered it. And um, it's, it's, it's interesting that we don't know everything. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't have that gene. So. <laughs> well, you came out of it. <laughs> you talk about the power of purpose. And this I find really, really amazing because you know, here I am thinking about to read a fitness book and how to make And it starts in the beginning. Like, let's get your mind right. What's your purpose? Mm. Um, some people have it right off the bat. Some people don't. Yeah. Can you maybe tell us how you came uh, to find yours? Yeah, you know, those people are so fascinating, aren't they? The mm -hmm. ones that, like, get up at 5 and read, like, 19 papers every day, mm -hmm. and they're really successful in their business, and they're great parents, and they just, like, do it all right. Yeah. And you wonder, like, well, what does that guy do wrong? Mm -hmm. Like, does that guy do anything wrong? Uh, and for that guy, maybe um, they don't like training or working right. out. Yeah. And maybe in, internally their their organs are not so strong and mm -hmm. their heart isn't so strong and mm -hmm. their lungs don't have any power. But everything else, they do great. I feel like we all have something that we're great at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one of the things you have to ask yourself, like, what am I great at? You know, I was lucky in a little little sense that I kind of knew at an early age not because of pressure or anything like that. Mm. I just knew academics was for me. Uh, unlike you, <laughs> I would probably, it's funny because as I was reading your story about how you didn't like to go to school, I um, I thought to myself, I did like the process, but then later on in life when it came to like what they wanted me to do with my career, I was like, well, no, mm. I followed your rules. I'm not going to do it your way anymore. That's so interesting. Because I did what you what I was supposed to do to get to this point, and there's a chip in me that went, okay, now I'm going to do it my way. Um, and that was really hard, because imagine thinking that becoming a doctor was your purpose, and then all of a sudden you're like, eh, this isn't what I thought it was going to yeah. be. You know? So what, what did you do? I um, took some time off mm -hmm. to just 
be me and yeah. relax and enjoy. And then one day I just I was talking to somebody and I'm like, she's like, oh, I'm going to go to the, the spa and get a facial or a chemical. And I said, why are you doing that? You should get, you know, chemical peel. She's like, can you do that? I didn't I didn't like being a doctor in that moment of my life so much. I didn't even talk about it with my friends. Like mm-hmm. if I met you and you were brand new, I wouldn't have even told you that I was a doctor. And then all of a sudden it hit me like, wait a second, I don't have to follow their rules. I can make this about what I want to teach people and what I want to yeah. do. So I feel like that's when I really found my purpose. Yeah, you did the same thing for your industry that I did yeah. in mine. Yeah. Because I was not teaching traditional spinning. No. I was teaching a totally different game mm-hmm. that I learned from these two guys that are no longer here anymore, but they they taught me this method and this style and they both have since passed, so I'm carrying on their legacy. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't really work in a lot of other gyms. I was fired probably not fired for the the method as much as I was fired for being like a total schmuck. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I stuck to my guns and I stuck to my different approach and style to teaching, which was a lot of push-ups, a lot of move, core movement, and then a little spirituality. Yeah. You know, not that I was preaching church to people. No, um, it's just a feeling of, yeah. of happiness. And a connection to the music. and. Yeah you know allowing them to actually slow down and disappear and there were there wasn't no one was doing that nobody because yeah. you know it was all about cardio and working hard and feeling stressed out while you were working yeah um and and your approach the soul cycle approach was completely different and definitely want to talk about that but mm-hmm. before i get into that what what is obviously a very important chapter it's the first thing you talk about after your life story why is it so important for us to find our purpose Mm. Well, I mean, you, your ultimate center is the happiness that runs through your veins that makes your human experience a lot more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, I know you had Deepak on here. I learned yeah. a lot of that from him. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you have to feel like every day when you wake up and you go into your career or your work or your job or mm-hmm. however you want to look at mm-hmm. what you do to pay your rent or live yeah. in your home. Uh, you should have a certain amount of joy that's attached to what you're doing for work. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying that everyone is going to want to be a, a garbage truck yeah. driver. But you know what? That might be the sixth generation garbage truck supervisor, and they may love it. Yeah. You know, there, there's 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 passion in all these jobs. As, yeah. as I look out into New York City, there's so much that makes the city tick. Yeah. And, and everybody seems to find their way, but are they happy? Yeah, you know. And um, you know, for me personally, I um, I, I spent a lot of time. My, my, my thing, my purpose changes throughout the years. Like first, I wanted to open up my own practice, and then I had my own practice, and it started to feel like an anchor around my neck. Like I need to sure. be free to go to different places instead of staying in the same room to try and educate. For me, it's about educating people. Um, and I think that the, the, the idea that you spend so much time talking about it, you talk about your map theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, can you talk about that? Sure. Yeah. It's make a plan. Yeah, M-A-P. make a plan. Yeah. You know, I used to not make plans. I would just live my life day to day and not even worry about tomorrow. It just was very irresponsible. Mm-hmm. Also, again, when you get into a relationship that involves children, you have to live your life, you know, a lot more responsibly than you did as a single person. So right. I think when... And Deb- you're referring to your girlfriend who yeah. was a mother. Yeah. 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 When Deb and I got together, you know, her kids were very little. They mm-hmm. were gosh, seven, nine, and 12. Yeah. And now they're 23, 22, 18, just amazing yeah. girls. And, you know, they uh, they have two parents, but I was kind of like, you know, this, this new addition into their life. And I just, I did not want them to, 
to see me as a lazy person. Yeah. You know, I wasn't really working that much. I was only, SoulCycle was barely able yeah. to pay me to teach there. Look I could that. only do six classes a week was all they could afford to pay me back mm-hmm. then. And so, you know, then I started training. But, you know, living my life to be a responsible adult when I came to New York City. It, New York City swallows you up yeah, or it does. spits you out. Oh, yeah. So uh, I had to really step up, you know, for... To map it out, well, make a plan. So, yeah. some of the questions you ask are, and you know, when, while I was reading your book, I was actively reading it. I wasn't like, I'm like, I stopped and I asked myself that question. I'm like, am I happy with my job? And I answered this question. Yeah. Um, am I happy today? Yes. But do I have more to do? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Am I happy with my life? Yeah. I'm happy. It's been some ups and downs, some rough moments. But these are the kinds of questions. Am I happy being single? Um, I, I was. I am very content being single. I'm good at being single. Mm. But would I be happier not being single? Absolutely. And that's okay to admit. So these are the kinds of questions that you ask yeah. that I thought were fascinating. Because I think that we need to ask ourselves these and really answer it. Right. Yeah. Did you take any steps to make any of the changes for any of those well, answers? Well, I am happy to report <laughs> that I feel by reading your book, I have been doing a lot of what you've been saying but there was one thing that really struck out because I'm I'm very self-sufficient you know I'm sure you understand like sometimes there's some women out there who are just very they do everything that on their own they don't ask for help Mm. I fit into that category and I'm trying to change that about myself and I've been working on that but you wrote sometimes usually people get so into their own heads that that they forget to share be vulnerable to people you trust. Now that's something that I have been and am working on because I am so self-sufficient and um, I don't need to be, you know? I can yeah. ask for help and yeah. that's something that resonated with me. I put a bunch of stars next to yeah, it. Yeah, that's a good That's a good one. I forgot about that one. That's a really good that's one. That's a good one, huh? You can yeah. Fill this out. Um, why is it so important to be vulnerable? Well, when you're vulnerable, it opens space for love. Yeah. Because if you're not, it means your heart's closed. Yeah. You know, and the walls are up, and yeah. no one can penetrate that. Mm-hmm. And you won't really experience the full joy of someone else's love if you don't open up. I agree. And it's sort of like you're not letting it in, but you're also not letting it out. You're, yeah. you're, you're living a very isolated life. Yeah. And I think that describes a lot of people and people in New York. You know, we don't share. We get into our own heads, and we don't get past that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it takes work. And my girlfriend's a big communicator. She loves to talk. She likes to talk more than I do, but I talk for a living. So sometimes we hit a little bit of a block when I get home, and I've been talking now since <laughs> 7 a.m. <laughs> and yelling and jumping around, and you know sometimes I just need to shut it off. Mm-hmm. But um, well, we all need to. Like people have asked me, like, what do you do? I'm like sometimes I just need to go home and not talk to anyone. Yeah. Or be around people that I don't need to, you know be on for right but if you went home and you had a house full of three kids and you know everybody wants you to be funny yes yeah it gets a little it gets a little you you start to go oh my gosh how am I going to do this but you do it yeah and that's the raising the bar thing but the vulnerability thing is so crucial and you know heartbreak is like a rite of passage in your life yeah Mm -hmm. you know heartbreak only means that you were loved yeah and that you loved yeah so if you're going through a heartbreak right now it is so okay. Mm-hmm. It is just and like that. Those are your real feelings, and you're so lucky that you can feel that heartbreak because yeah. it's it means you loved, mm-hmm. and that's why we're all here to love each other. I think it's important to know that, and it's also important to not let that heartbreak change you for the rest of your life in a bad way. Yeah, no, you, you know? learn from it, and you learn you learn f- your mistakes and why that happened and and what happened and what direction you know your heart was going, and sometimes sometimes it just wasn't 
right for you to be with that person mm-hmm. and you didn't really understand it when you were in it. Yeah. You know, and then when you look back and you look at it and you go, oh, now I understand why we're not together. And a lot of times, you know, when I look back, I, it's you can say that person wasn't right, but maybe I wasn't the right, right. person in yeah. that time. You know, I've changed a lot. You've changed a lot. We've all changed. The person that I was, you know, 10 years ago, I'm not that person today. Yeah. I think that I try and be better, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I'm still learning. And I think that one of my biggest challenges is that being vulnerable to people that I trust because for so long I was just on my own doing my own thing and it was very hard for me to open up, you know? Yeah. And I think that um, that's something that I um, have learned and mm-hmm. I'm happier for it, yeah. for sure. You know, like some people have something to prove. Yeah. But then after they prove it, they continue on with the like, yeah. I still have like, to go. I really, like, yeah. I mean, I understand there's something to prove because I was that way, but you also have to sit back in that vulnerability and then you kind of dip into humble, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and then you sit in humble for a while. And that really is the most attractive quality, I think, in yeah. a person is yeah. humble pie. It's okay. just like so endearing. And so you always want to be around that humble person. Yeah. You know, it's the, it's the, it's the jerky, oh, narcissistic, the ego. even like they could be as cute as ever. Yeah. But. The second they open their mouth in a narcissistic way or they're just yeah. really jerky, you're just they become not so cute. Yeah. I call it um, ugly pretty. Maybe ugly is a tough <laughs> word. <laughs> but, you know, Aww. I know a lot. Of maybe ugly is tough. I just haven't found a better word. But you know what I mean? Like somebody who um, they just I, hopefully we all get there. But some people cry over spilled milk for the rest of their lives. This is know. true. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Inspiring conversations on lifestyle, celebrity, relationships, and more. This is Glamier with Dr. Tabitha Samir. Leaving your comfort zone is something that you talk a lot about fear mm-hmm. and um, that uh, the area between um, being afraid and not being afraid. That mm-hmm. space is called trust. Yeah. Can you just take it from here? Because oh. it was so good. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good one. Wow, this is a really good book, guys. you got to yeah, go get two so turns good. zero. <laughs> read it with your friend so the two of you can talk about it. I actually would read a chapter or a sentence. Mm. I'd call my friend Mercedes up in L.A. and be like, girl, what are you doing right now? She's like, I'm shoe shopping. Put the shoes down. Listen oh, to this quote. That's so cool of yeah. you. Yeah, and Thank so, you for so that. So we would chit-chat about it. And then she's like... Okay, I'm going to be nicer to my boyfriend tonight. <laughs> Aw, that's so cute. You know, there's also an audio version, which yeah. I I am... Su- I like audio books. I'm super into it. Mm-hmm. I, I, The woman who uh, read the audio of my book does it, puts my voice to shame. I mean, yeah. when, I, when I listened to it the first time, I could not believe how beautiful her voice. She's like, yeah. and then <laughs> at Lake Billboard Apartments. <laughs> I was walking with my friend Scott. I mean, she's I just... I love that. It, it's so cool. That's a, that's a talent, um, though. I'm going to talk really, like that for the rest of the show. It's Yeah, you should. Wait, Content I got off topic. You wanted me to talk about... I was going to ask about, you, you talked about, you know, that area between trust... Right. And, um, and fear. And fear. So... Yeah. So there is this recent uh, visual. I don't know where this came from, but I think yesterday in my classes when I was teaching, I said to them when we were doing a sprint, there's no place for fear in this sprint. Mm-hmm. You cannot have it. And I, I visualized this tiny little hole right here in the in the middle of someone's brain like as if it was like a space Mm -hmm. and then the word fear was really big Mm -hmm. 
And I was like, imagine that you're trying that you're trying to get that word into that tiny little space. There's no place for it. It won't go. In, it can't even get in. Mm-hmm. So just imagine that in your life. Yeah. Like fe- fear, there is no place for it in your head. It just it takes up too much space. Yeah. It doesn't fit in, and it doesn't. It you have to live a little bit cautiously fearless. Cautiously fearless. But, yeah. you know, another thing that you said that I really, really appreciated was it, it can also be a good thing to be afraid because that could be a challenge. It could be something to conquer because once you conquer it, how great does that feel? Yeah. I mean, that could be interpreted as anticipation. Yeah. Uh, excitement. Anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, my God, what if? I don't like the word anxiety I at hate all. the word. The word anxiety gives me anxiousness. Yeah. I don't know if anxiousness is an actual word, but it is I now. mean, I'm trying to, I know a lot of anxious people. Yeah. But nervous uh, is I, a bad thing. I can't say I can say that I get a little bit nervous, but I don't use it as it's not nerves. It's it's excitement. Mm-hmm. Like when I went on tour with Oprah and Deepak, and I would be mic'd up and standing behind the curtain and waiting to go out there. Mm-hmm. And I look around. There's seventeen thousand people out there. Crazy. Uh, was I nervous? But maybe you converted it in your head to something more energetic. Yeah, it wasn't nerves. It was anticipation and excitement. And wow, I cannot believe I get to train this many people at once. Because it's like teaching a class. It wasn't much different than that. But I think what I'm listening to is you teaching people in a way of how maybe somebody would call it nervous. Maybe the person next to you would call it nervous and go off of that. But you turned it into, look how lucky I am. Yeah. Which brings me to identifying your luck. Yeah. <laughs> but I didn't mean to, to cut you off. Did you? No, it's okay. Okay. No, we're, we're you know, good. one of the things that you so, talked about is like, um, I'm going to read this. Okay. When you're enduring your very worst that can happen in life, um, you can still feel lucky. How did you identify? How do you tell people to identify like in, in bad moments their luck? I mean, I try not to get too personal with with everybody because I feel like I don't want to ever boundary cross too much because I have you know 250 people a day that I'm trying to just kind of make all feel the same I don't want to do too much individual counseling because I'm not a counselor I'm not a shrink I'm not a doctor and I think a lot of times people think that I am all of those things yeah uh, especially that's a lot of pressure. Especially after writing that book. Yeah. I mean, someone <laughs> someone asked me today. Someone asked me today if they could um, book a time with me. Oh. To talk about the book. Oh wow. Like they wanted to hire me to counsel them. Oh wow. Well, I guess that's an honor, but it's not what it's you an do. honor. Yeah. It's not what I do. I mean, I I said I'll, I'll work with you on the bike afterwards if yeah. you want that. But um, what would I tell someone about identifying luck? I think it's a silver lining playbook. Yeah, it is really just there's a reason why you go through something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have students that have lost um, siblings, lost parents. Uh, we just lost one of our really amazing employees the other day. She was in a fatal bike accident. It was like a really tragic thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I mean, you have to appreciate life mm-hmm. for every element of it: life, death, love, joy, mm-hmm. happiness, all the different phases of it yeah and just kind of really um understand that everything we go through there is a bigger plan bigger plan. i don't know who i don't know what 
I don't have the answers for that. I just believe. Mm-hmm. You talk a lot about believing, too. And another thing I really like what you do, because you asked me before we started, I had Deepak on here, and you said, did you talk to him about meditation? My conversation with Deepak probably could have gone another three hours. We didn't yeah. even, we touched on meditation for a second. When I asked, you know, when people talk about meditation, they get really, you know, intimidated or mm. they don't know what to do. Um, your book gives a lot of really guided, instructed, mm-hmm. like colorful, instructed ways to meditate. Yeah. And um, I would love uh, to hear about why that is was such a, it's such an important part of the book. So it must be in a huge part of your life. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do guided meditations in my in my rides at SoulCycle. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to, well, it was hard to uh, translate what happens in the room mm-hmm. onto a page of a book. Yeah. Because the class moves mm-hmm. and the book doesn't. Yeah. And I wanted to get what we do in there onto the page. Yeah. So I recorded over 100 classes and tra- transcribed them all mm-hmm. and read through them and combed through them and took out the ones that really stood out mm-hmm. that are all in my book. Yeah. Those meditations are all live recorded uh, actual classes. Right. So those r- the moments really happened mm-hmm. in a in a moving meditation with your eyes closed and the lights off and the music going and just like you just disappear into this blue sky mm-hmm. and a white cloud and your favorite beach yeah. and your favorite bathing suit. That's what I think of when I meditate. <laughs> yeah, the beach in a bathing suit with the sun and the salt water, that's what I think about. You know, you know? and if that meditation relaxes you, yeah. then it is a meditation. Yeah, that's true. You don't have to be doing Om Shanti. <laughs> like because that, that to me doesn't relax me. It's not for everyone. Yeah, Yoga isn't for everyone. Yeah. I mean, I lived there for three months. I tried to mm-hmm. be a yogi. I tried everything in my power to go be a yogi. I I'm just so happy not. you said that. I mean, I appreciate yoga, but I personally didn't, it didn't do for me what it was doing for a lot of other people. So I kind of felt like left out, like I'm not getting it the yeah. same way, but you that's know, okay. I found my other, I found another way. There are so many movements mm-hmm. for so many people. Yeah. It doesn't have to be yoga. It could be anything, swimming, spinning, walking, running, hiking, biking. I mean, yeah. there's, there's nature. Yeah, there's thousands of things. Yeah, there are. But the meditations in the book are really are real life meditations that were that were taught. So that's why they're in there. And and uh, you know, you say um, there's one point where you're reading the meditation and you say in this I know I might sound like cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, <laughs> but this works, and I have plenty of great, great examples in my life. Do you mind sharing an example of um, knowing that something came from these yeah. meditations? I mean, I have hundreds of them. I mean, I guess your whole life is probably an example. Well, at least the last 22 years of it, yeah. because I've been indoors cycling-specific teaching for mm-hmm. 22 years. Mm-hmm. But I know it's hard to believe, because I'm 49, but I feel like I look 30. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would say 29. Oh, well, good, good. <laughs> this is after five classes today, too, so sorry about that. You did five classes, and you're in here doing an interview, so you're a rock star today, yes, so I appreciate yes. your time. Yes. Um, so one of my favorite uh, stories to share is, well, there's two. One of them is in the book, Maria, mm-hmm. who completely transformed her body, so much so that you know her doctors didn't know if she was going to have any upper body strength. She has a... Um, a metal plate in her chest mm-hmm. for her pectoralis um, muscles to grow over that plate was going to be a challenge mm-hmm. for her and her deltoid they had to go in this way so she had no deltoid strength 
and she it wasn't looking good for her mm-hmm. she was going to chemo treatments and hanging on for dear life like mm-hmm. literally hanging on she is probably one of my strongest riders wow. with the most beautiful upper body you have ever seen wow. and when her doctor uh two months ago cleared her again for mm-hmm. year number five the doctor said, I need to meet this Stacy person <laughs> wow. because you're a walking miracle. Wow, and we amazing. did so many meditations for her specifically. And w- I told her, when you're doing the push-ups, I want you to rebuild and restructure your body with your head. When you're doing the motions, I want you to put the muscle in. I want you to make it grow. I want you to feel it growing while you're training. So that's one. So mm-hmm. that meditation worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another meditation is of just a random rider that rides with me all the time decided that uh, when she, when her daughter got old enough, she was going to go back to work. Mm-hmm. She didn't know what, she didn't know what she was going to do. Mm-hmm. She created, I, I always ask my, my students to, to use the towel as a blank canvas. And when you close your eyes, you paint the picture of what it is you're trying to manifest in your life. She manifested a freaking $20 million company and has 46 employees. <laughs> yeah, that's, um, I'm going to meditate right now. <laughs> no, but you know what? Like every time. That's pretty amazing. Every time. And if you do the work, I mean, look. It's about believing. You have to believe. You have to. Yeah. And it's not just believing, but if you put belief next to the word action and you take the steps, then you get results. Yeah. But it has to be in that order. And belief, action equals results. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's great. So as as we're talking, I think that people are forgetting that this is also a book on your physical self as well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, getting through that, not getting, the, the whole beginning of the book is so, it's almost like it's setting you up for what's next. And like we said, this book yeah. is word, you know, good life salad. Yeah. Um, you talk about how to translate it into, you know, fitness. Right. Um, and fitness was so important for you. Yeah, well, it saved me as a person. It saved me, it kept me out of trouble. It uh, developed my body as a strong woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gave me team spirit because I didn't really have, you know, I didn't have a very close relationship with my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like I had sisters because I was always on a team. I felt like I had like a gaggle of sisters. And now, like as a grown up, like I love my sister. Yeah. I have one sister. Yeah. Uh, and we are very close now. And my niece and nephew are like my own children. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. the team spirit in my class is like the foundation yeah. for everyone's day Mm -hmm. you come into that room and you're part of a team even if you weren't an athlete and that's what AOA is about Mm -hmm. adult onset athleticism like this is you right because you were the smart one in your family or you were the one that focused on your grades and you probably yeah. didn't join a team because you were too busy studying and you wanted to I get I did volleyball. A. I did volleyball. And I, I did uh, I did enjoy it, but you're right. Mine was more about being academic, yeah. for sure. So now, uh, as yeah. an adult, yeah. you can flip it. Yeah. And now you can focus on being an athlete mm-hmm. every morning. Yeah. So that's why the class is so great for people who yeah. were not athletes when they were younger. Those are my favorite people. Yeah, and you know, I kind of don't like when I hear people say, oh, they're too old, I'm too old. That drives me nuts not because, true. you know, what are you gonna say when you're 80? And, and you know, by the way, I've been in class where there's a woman next to me who I don't know if she's 70, 80. She I might know be. It. She might be. And if she's in there kicking some butt, I have no excuse. I had today in one, in one three bike radius Mm -hmm. someone who was 76 78 and 58 is that amazing all together yeah 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So I, I like that term, adult onset athleticism. AOA, baby. AOA. <laughs> So There's a song that goes A O A O A O A O. I need to Is have that. Where that. you got that from? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. It's a good one. And next, Stacy will sing for us. <laughs> um, so, what is the kind of like the purpose of this book for you? When you wrote this book, and you said to myself, said to yourself, mm-hmm. "I'm going to do this. I, I have the time. I have the spirit. I have the determination. What do you want people when they read this book to to feel motivated?" Mm-hmm. I want them to be motivated mm-hmm. because that is the key to avoiding depression. Yeah. If you are motivated, you can conquer the world. Mm-hmm. You can create a company. You can make enough money to travel. Mm-hmm. You can be uh, in your right mind to go deal with your family members because mm-hmm. you're confident about yourself. Yeah. You're not sitting at the table like <laughs> scared that your mom or dad is going to say, why are you Why are you not in shape anymore? Yeah. Or like, you know, being fit is is the best yeah it is just there is nothing better and empowering than being a fit person and this is not about size mm-hmm. i always ma- make that clear yeah. it's not a size thing Mm-mm. it is a fit thing because size does not matter well in some ways but yeah i'm just saying in general, size is yeah. about mm-hmm. um ego uh-huh. and fit is about love mm, that's so good. that's good yeah. size is about ego and fit is about love, which yeah. is great. Um, you know, we have to talk about Soul Cycle um, because that's phenomenon. You know, I remember doing it when there was, you know, you guys had one on the Upper East Side and then you opened a second one. Mm-hmm. And um, very early on, I was like, what is this? I don't like spinning. And then I'm like, wait, <laughs> this is not spinning. It's definitely um, not. It's, it's, you've changed a lot of people, like their lives. And, you know, I posted on my social media that I was interviewing today and I must have had seven people. Oh my God, mm. how does that feel? It's great. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying, uh, we are in the elevator coming up here today, and this guy gets in, and he's like, Stacy, what are you doing in this building? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's New York City, so it's hard for me to go anywhere, really, without running into somebody that I've taught over the last 11 years at SoulCycle. Yeah. Uh, It is a phenomenon. Yeah. It is a revolution. Uh, It is... I feel almost like we invented swimming. Yeah. You know, like... Everybody swims and everyone is going to swim for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Like this is not a trend. It's not a fad. It's not going anywhere. It, mm-hmm. it, will, it will be here forever. Mm-hmm. It's just it like the learning curve is nine years old if you're tall enough mm-hmm. to 90. Yeah. I mean, you can do it forever. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful piece of machinery. And the, the messaging and the coaching and the the whole environment is just it's so great that it's that it's here and it was you know in new york and now it's all over like you, you guys are yeah, in 75 locations and yeah. why why do you think in your opinion it's a phenomenon because of that learning curve yeah because grandma can be in the room with her daughter and yeah. her three grandkids and they can make a fitness date out of it mm-hmm. and it's not isolating it's yeah. not just for the gym guy yeah it's for mom and dad and sister and brother and grandma I mean, and it's very motivating. It's very uplifting. You know, yeah. it's kind of like your own little zen in in this crazy place that we live. You yeah. Know? Um, what do you want to see or achieve now? Now that you're here. I mean, I had Let's such ask the tough questions. <laughs> <laughs> I had such a great time writing that book. I ju- I I foresee writing a book a year. Mm. I, I just I love. That's lo- pretty. Um, I love it. Yeah. I mean, it really. When you set your mind to it and yeah. you make the space mm-hmm. and you follow through and you just do it and mm-hmm. you have, I mean, I have 
so many books inside of my head Mm -hmm. and I experienced so many things in my life just being uh, present. Yeah. There's so much to talk about and there's so many uh, people out there that need guidance and need motivation and just, you know, I just feel like even just down to that cover, I, I shot probably 25 to 30 different ways to look on the cover Mm -hmm. and it is a fitness book I guess and so you know everyone's like you have to look strong you have to look fit you know and I jump in the air and I had like all (laughs) kinds of weird poses and different colored shirts and really like I was thinking what I really want to look like on the cover is you need to read this book yeah it's peaceful. Yeah. It's a strong and peaceful. Peaceful, mm-hmm. but strong and like. Read this book. Yeah. <laughs> and just inviting. Like I it wanted to really, it's I wanted to things. look people in the eye and yeah. just like the honesty, I think kind of comes through the shot there. And Chris Fanning's the photography did such a good job no, on that. This is a great picture of you. I mean, you know, uh, you must be doing something right if millions of New Yorkers at noon on a Monday are, you know, jumping on their computer wherever they are to try and get in. Not just New Yorkers, but started in New York. And now yeah. um, that's what I remember. It's like noon. It's like I remember keeping one eye on the clock. We all did it. You <laughs> it's know? pretty like, cool. Oh. <laughs> but it's pretty cool. Noon on Monday is one of our best-selling shirts. Um, yeah. But it is it's it is amazing that, you know, it's 11 years and – our numbers are amazing and even when we you know sometimes we open a new studio literally 10 blocks from another one yeah. because there's so m- the reason not we do even that 10 blocks in union square there's one like three blocks from each other because for some of these guys you know akin has a 75 person wait list yeah you know what are we gonna where are those people yeah so we wanted to be kind of the soul bucks yeah. of fitness you know yeah, we want to be bucks. on <laughs> I like that. we want to <laughs> be on all the corners because we don't want anybody to get so left out yeah yeah you know, there's a what lot are the of challenges people. of growing so quickly. Like not so quickly. Ten years is not so quickly. But what are the challenges? You know, well, it's hard to find good instructors. Keeping that purpose, and we don't just hire uh, spin teachers. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we hire and train people that have dance backgrounds mm-hmm. and movement backgrounds, and you got to have a personality, and you have to have uh, you know your head on your shoulders, mm-hmm. and you have to want to give. Yeah, it's a giving job, mm-hmm. and you have to have a lot of stamina yeah. you know it's oh, like yeah it's a, a very it's a it's a grueling job it's yeah. like it's not it's not easy no and we train people for like seven or eight weeks it's a long training program yeah. nothing worthwhile is easy though is it <laughs> no but that's why we have the best instructors yeah. in the world because yeah. we have Seoul university and they yeah. go through you know a really rigorous training program and we have probably 20 training officers that work in that department and they're just so on it mm-hmm. and it's it's so cool yeah I know that, you know, it's it's always busy. It's always packed. It's people are gravitating toward it because I feel that the energy that, that the classes give off attracts everybody. You know, everybody yeah. wants a little bit of that. Um, where are you, like, what's next for you personally? Like, uh, you, you want to write a book every year. Mm-hmm. You're still going to be training in Tribeca and all over, you know, your, yeah. your classes. Is that kind of? Probably, I would say, more maybe more public speaking. Yeah. You know, I love talking about Soul Cycle, and I yeah. love talking about Two Turns from Zero, yeah. and I love talking about uh, helping people with addiction mm-hmm. and teaching people how to sleep would be great. Sleep, <laughs> sleep is a good one. I'm a yeah. big napper. You know, I napped today mm-hmm. for ten minutes. Yeah, and I was that telling Kathy yeah. today uh-huh. that I was out yeah. like a light, and I woke up 
right before my alarm went off, like literally 30 seconds before the alarm. I, you I just knew I, your body now. Because I can let, I can shut it off. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should teach a napping class. You should. That would be great. I would. Let's take a napping class together. <laughs> I think I, I think I need to teach it. Power napping. Well, this book, I thought, you know, it's so much more than a fitness. It's really, you know, about mental fitness, spiritual fitness, and physical fitness. So I think. Um, I would you know, like recommend it from the beginning. You're probably going to finish this book in two days if you get this. Yeah. But um, thank you for writing such an amazing book. You're and welcome. Everything you've done, everything you've been through to be able to teach others, it's a gift. Yeah. It's a blessing. You it's know? also my calling. Like I love yeah. doing it. I feel like if someone buys this book at the airport, they would finish it by the time they landed at LAX and be a different person. Like yeah. That was the goal. Yeah. I one plane ride away from turning it around. You're one plane <laughs> ride away from achieving. But I um, You know what I think? JetBlue, the month of May has the audio version on oh, wow. there on the on the flight. April ebook. Oh, ebook. Yeah, the ebook. Ebook. That's fabulous. Yeah, oh, so that's you can great. get a get a sample of it. I oh, think. There you go. And then people can always follow me at Stacy G N Y C at yes. on Instagram and social media and all that stuff. And then twoturnsfromzero.com is a website that you can post your stories on and stuff. Which is great. And it's, it's such a great book. And I know that um, people that are following me are excited to listen to what you have to say. Yeah. And it was a pleasure. Yeah, Thank really you. nice. Yeah, I feel, I feel like re calm and energized. And I can't wait for you to sign this book and take photos <laughs> with me now. <laughs> Thank you, Stacey. You're welcome. You're back welcome. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 